0: Hello, and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Nada Khan, and I'm one of the associate editors of the BJGP. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to this podcast. In today's episode, we talk to Dr. Liz Sturgis, who is an associate professor of primary care research at the School of Primary Care and Allied Healthcare at Monash University in Melbourne. We're going to discuss the paper that she and her colleagues have published here in the BJGP titled... A multifaceted intervention to increase the delivery of alcohol brief interventions in primary care. So thanks Liz for joining me here today and negotiating the time differences between us so we could talk about this paper. Um, This research looks at a really important public health issue of increasing alcohol intake globally But what's the background to this work and what do GPs and other healthcare professionals do, if anything, to talk about alcohol with their patients?
1: Thanks, Nata. Uh, I guess this study was funded by the Victorian Health Promotion Foundation, and that's the state of Victoria in Australia. And they wanted us to look at how we can increase the use of alcohol brief interventions in general practice. So it's pretty well established now that GPs um, and general practice teams can play a really important role in reducing alcohol harms, and that's by asking people about their alcohol use and providing personalised advice. Um, So the World Health Organisation says that alcohol brief interventions are a really good bang for your buck when you're looking at prevention of alcohol harm. Um, But even though, though we know that just having those conversations with our patients and giving really personalised advice can make a big difference. Um, As with a lot of things in in primary care, we've got a bit of an implementation gap there. Um, So this work was really about how can we get those conversations about alcohol happening uh, between patients and their trusted healthcare professionals um, and and how we can support that to happen in everyday clinical practice so it's not a burden um, and it can kind of just become part of what we routinely do.
0: Yeah, and I think that's an important point for primary care and implementation in on the ground, really. But tell us more about the Reach project that um, was uh, sort of the focus of this project.
1: Yeah, for sure. So the Reach project, um, it started uh, before COVID, so two thousand and nineteen, and we worked closely with patients, um, GPs, uh, practice managers, practice nurses to look at what was already happening in terms of talking with patients about alcohol. Um, We got some really amazing tips of things that practitioners were already using in their everyday practice. So it's it's a package of resources. Some of the resources are um, targeted at patients. Um, We have um, things to put up in the waiting room that is just about alcohol-related harm. And that was really to try and show that general practice is a place where patients can come and talk about alcohol. Um, So, some of the patients we talked to in the initial work said, you know, I'd never really thought about my GP as a person I could talk to about alcohol. So, just putting up prompts in the practice to show that, yep, this is a safe place to talk about alcohol with people who know what they're talking about. Um, And then other resources to support the GPs and practice nurses within the consultation. Um, and then patient resources to take home as well.
0: You mentioned about recording, and I wonder if you have any background information about how well alcohol use is recorded in practice. Was that one of the aims of this project, to increase recording?
1: Yeah, that was right. So we we used the recording of the alcohol in the clinical record, I guess as a surrogate marker that a conversation about alcohol had happened. If we look across Australia on average, practices have an alcohol history in the record somewhere between 20 and 50% of the time. Um, most of our clinical softwares in Australia, once you put the alcohol recording in once, it doesn't kind of um, prompt you to add it in again. So, we really were looking at patients that had a completely blank part of the history um, in that part of the software and those that had an alcohol history recorded. And that was our our outcome from the records, is looking at that that increasing over the time as people use the REACH toolkit. Yeah, and this was an implementation trial, as you've mentioned,
0: and looked at the implementation of this REACH project in six different general practices serving low-income communities. And the mixed methods bit of this was the interviews with the practice staff. Um, And the paper goes into a lot of detail about the implementation strategy for those who want to look at the REACH project in more detail. But could you talk through some of the things that happened in the practices using REACH? So what did the staff feel worked and what didn't work well for them?
1: Yeah, so I guess there's a bit more context. Um, We'd sort of developed the whole trial and the REACH package. And then um, that was the end of 2019. Um, And then we had 2020. Uh, So we had to really change the way it was delivered. Uh, We put the toolkit online. And, you know, I I have to say when we got the results back, I was sort of, it is really encouraging because it was a very, very difficult time in Melbourne. People will know Melbourne, Australia had a lot of um, lockdown restrictions and conditions. And that was the time that we basically did the trial So the fact that we got improvement in alcohol recording even in those extremely stressful kind of working environments um, is really encouraging for this kind of approach to improving um, alcohol brief interventions. Yeah absolutely. Um, Yeah definitely um, the interviews as the flavour of the stress of working in the pandemic uh, but things that made a really big difference were if you had whole of practice involvement. So the practice manager, the practice nurses, the GPs, everyone kind of on the same page and and, and um, involved in the project that definitely um, assisted things. Uh, people found the uh, patient-facing resources really helpful because either to give to a patient to take away, but perhaps even more importantly, the way they're laid out is they have lots of really practical useful tips about reducing alcohol consumption and you can sort of use those to guide the consultation and the conversation you have with the patient and then the third thing that always you know it's always helpful to kind of reflect on your practice so those meetings with the phn where they were then presented with the current alcohol recording in their notes and just discussing you know what's working Do you need more copies of resources? Is this working? Is that not working? Those meetings and seeing the data together um, were really helpful.
0: And this was a brief intervention. So could you give us a flavour of what might happen in a consultation in terms of the intervention bit if a GP or a practice nurse was consulting with a patient?
1: In a research sense, I would say in the drug and alcohol space, brief interventions have been... You know, very protocolized, very stepwise, you know, you have to do it in this order and in this way for it to be kind of counted as a brief intervention. One of the GP researchers on our team, Michael Tam, has done a lot of work in Australia looking at how GPs and patients talk about alcohol, and his work really found that that kind of relationship approach Making sure it's a conversation that is relevant and understandable to the patient in the moment is probably more important than following specific steps of a specific, you know, you must say this, then say this, then say this. So our approach very much was screening for alcohol use and then looking at different types of motivational interviewing um, skill that people could could bring to that conversation. And we know GPs are really very skillful in behaviour change. Um, And it's about taking those skills that we use in all different parts of our consultations and using them in to talk to patients about alcohol. And then the REACH toolkit gave people different ideas, so you know, either practical strategies for reducing educational items about if you know patients weren't aware of alcohol harm. Um, And then different um, supports they could use in their in their own social circles. One of the things that was very interesting through the initial work and through um, the implementation trial was that GPs really noted that patients often had very low health literacy around alcohol. So in Australia, alcohol is often a very big part of cultural events and celebrations for a lot of the community and there's still that kind of memory under the surface that, you know, a bit of red wine is very good for the heart Um, That tends to be the the flavour and you sort of are starting on a bit of a back foot with patients and talking about alcohol harm. Our latest national guidelines have really strongly said that there's no safe level of alcohol use and that's quite a big change from the prior guidelines and GPs kind of compared that to smoking. You know, when you start a smoking conversation with a patient, there really aren't any patients now who don't, know that smoking is harmful whereas sometimes the starting bit of the conversation with patients and alcohol is really explaining how alcohol really isn't good for your health um, and that there isn't any safe or um, helpful um, amount of alcohol to consume. Mm,
0: So perhaps a steeper mountain to climb in terms of patient education and a societal shift in the culture.
1: Absolutely absolutely yeah, and and probably that that conversation doesn't have to happen all in one hit. So that um, I often think, you know, every you know general practice research project, we always talk about um, time, and we never have enough time. Uh, but really, thinking about time in a longitudinal sense is probably really helpful. And some probably some other research in brief interventions doesn't have that longitudinal view. Not necessarily just in alcohol, but in other um, Areas as well where, you know, people will look at researchers will look at one consultation or one snapshot in time and seeing what happens. Whereas, you know, a conversation about alcohol, you know, maybe that initial one is about seeing how much the person is consuming, checking in on their um, understanding about alcohol harms, and then the next time might be adding to that conversation and adding to that conversation. So it doesn't all have to happen in that one chunk. And I think the World Health Organization. Um, evidence is that the, you know, a five-minute conversation about alcohol is just as effective as one that is much longer. Mm.
0: And I suppose that's the beauty of general practice, that GPs and practice staff can have that longer-term relationship with the patient and put that conversation into the context of that patient's life as well.
1: Mm. That's exactly it. Yeah. And that's the stuff that's really hard to capture, isn't it? Mm. Uh, because I think sometimes as researchers, you know, it's, it's it's much easier to have a protocol and a checklist and a, this is how it's done to really capture that nuanced conversation, the personalised care. That stuff is really hard to capture in research, but that's perhaps the most important part of general practice. I wanted to ask
0: about the availability of the REACH resources. So I imagine that some of the resources are very Locally specific, potentially to Australia or to Victoria. But can other teams or other clinicians access any of the REACH resources and would it be applicable outside of an Australian context?
1: Yes, all of the resources are available freely online. Um, So easy to look them up. I think there's a link in the paper as well. Um, We'll take people straight there. While there are some locally specific sort of referral numbers and things like that, they, they would be more broadly applicable. The information about alcohol use is to the Australian national guidelines, um, but all of the information about, you know, how alcohol harms the body and different practical strategies for reducing use would all be applicable in other contexts as well. We also have them translated into a number of different languages. So for the implementation trial, they were in Chinese and Arabic because that was the highest language groups in the area we were working in. Um, And if people had a look and there was another language that they would like, it's pretty easy for us to get them translated. So that's also an option. I wonder if you
0: have a main take-home message for those working in primary care about alcohol brief interventions or about REACH specifically.
1: Yeah, so I think the, the main takeaway from this is that Uh, we can have very short, very relevant conversations with our patients about alcohol, Um, that general practice is a place that people look to for, you know, trusted information and I think if we know a person, we know their health conditions, we know their family and their community, we can make that messaging just so much more personalised for their situation and then also, I guess one thing we haven't discussed yet is around kind of um, feeling shame or embarrassment or judgment. Um, so alcohol, it's one of those strange ones that even though it's culturally very acceptable in Australia, um, it's still, you know, people feel embarrassed or shame if they um, drink too much Then would be expected to be okay, or if alcohol's having an impact uh, on their lives in other ways. Um, so again, I think Uh, In general practice, we are skilled at having sensitive conversations with people uh, that mean they won't feel judged and shamed and be able to come back and have more conversations um, over time. And then the other thing I would say from a policy perspective is that uh, general practice can do great work, but it needs uh, support at a policy level. Um, It needs um, the right resources around and uh, the right ongoing support with those, you know, feedback about the PHN. Um, We can do a lot of good work with the right support and the right resourcing. Great. And I think
0: that's a really fantastic place to wrap things up, to maybe give some of the listeners a nugget to take back to their own practice about thinking about how to integrate these brief interventions around alcohol into practice. So thank you very much for that.
1: Thanks for your time, Nana.
0: And thank you all very much for your time here and for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research article can be found on bjgp.org and the show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. It's been great to take some key messages about brief interventions we can use with patients to tackle alcohol use. And if you're interested, do look up the paper for the links to the REACH program. Thanks again and bye.